Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 283 of the MTG Goldfish podcast. I'm Seth, probably better known as Saffron Olive, and we have the full crew here this week kicking things off with the owner of MTG Goldfish, Richard. What's up today, Richard? Hey, Seth. It's uh, early in the morning. I haven't been ooganed yet. We're, we're good to go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Oh, so many ugans. But we'll, we'll get to that in a minute. Before we talk uh, about magic and m21 we have another co-host in crim how are you today crib morning seth uh also haven't gotten ugand yet so it does feel <laughs> relatively decent <laughs> <laughs> well speaking of ugands our main topic for today is a uh, course at 2021 and its impact on standard uh, other formats too like modern and whatnot so basically talking about new magic cards uh, in constructed formats and then of course answering your fish mail. But before we get into all that, a reminder that our show today is once again brought to you by Spikes Academy, the first MTG online academy, and their courses are created by the best players in the world, and they're designed to help you improve your game. So whether you're trying to reach Mythic each season on Magic Arena, or you just want to crush your friends every draft, their courses will help you improve your game, and you can join today over at SpikesAcademy.com. So thank you so much to Spikes Academy for supporting today's cast, and Let's talk some magic. So, Corsa 2021 is here. It kind of released middle of last week, I guess. There was, like, the early access day on Wednesday, coming out fully, I think, like, Thursday on Arena and Magic Online. We haven't had a ton of huge tournaments yet. There's a couple of, like, challenges and a little bit of league results from Modo, but no real tournaments. So, uh, what has your guys' kind of uh, first impressions, I guess, of Corset 2021. Let's start with Standard. How has Standard been for you since the set release? Uh, so, like, since Standard, like, since it's released in Standard, it, it just kind of feels a little bit like, you know, like like everything pre-M21, but plus Ugin. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, if there's a slight bit of good news, I think Team Arec is on the downswing. I would yes, say. I, yes. I feel like personally, I've run into Team Arec way less often compared to a couple of weeks ago, which uh, that I think is a positive. There are many Ugans. It does seem like many decks have some number of Ugans in them is just a uh, kind of a free roll. We kind of talked about this during like our top 10 videos and even spoiler season. There's just so much rampant standard and so yeah. many decks are like, accidental ramp decks like uh, so the big new deck i think is the bant ramp deck which kind of bant mythics i call it it's just like you took yeah. all the mythics that are in you know blue and white and green and you just stick them all in the deck and you trust that having all those really powerful cards will win but uh, that deck it just accidentally has a bunch of ramp you got gross spirals you got Uros. you're playing those not because you want to be a ramp deck so much as they're just really good cards so you're like hey i got all these cards that ramp me why not throw in a couple of hoogans that'll probably be good that's a mythic that fits the theme of my deck uh, so i feel like it's just so easy for decks to almost accidentally ramp into ugin these days you yeah. say accidental as if, <laughs> as if everyone's plan is not like okay i'll just dirtle a bit and then drop an ugin on turn five and see what they do and then if it dies somehow like elspeth conquers death will come back and then we'll see what happens. And then if like that somehow fails, like we still got Nissa, Teferi, Shark Typhoon, like, you know, oh, oh, oh what five mana for Earl from the graveyard? Like, have you managed to survive this long? Like, oh, this, like any, <laughs> it's like when you somehow like draft like eight rares in your, in your pool or something, right? You're like every single one of these cards is a game ending card. And the deck is just full of them all, and somehow, like, you don't die because aggro is, like, terrible. So, yep. like, you just sit there and get to play interactive magic by exiling all your opponent's stuff and bouncing it all. Like, I, I don't know. It's, uh, it's, it's a tough time to play fair magic uh, after M21. It was bad before M21, but now... Now it's bringing kind of the Tron modern experience to, to standard where you just get Ugin randomly after building up an impressive board state. Yep. The amount of times I've gotten Nissa into Tron, I mean, into like Ugin has just felt like uh, absolutely disgusting. Um, and I, I feel like it's kind of, it, I don't know, like Bant was already really good. The last thing it needed was a super duper powerful, like, you know, eight drop like this, which really is a five drop. Uh, I'm over here just fairly casting Ugin, and, you know, like, it's, 
it's not as good as as a uh, cultivate. Like I've I've been seeing like turn three Nissas tur- into like turn five or turn four Ugins and just stuff like that. So I mean, and like it's just that and cat. Yeah, cat cat's making yeah. sure no aggro deck gets the challenge Ugin like yeah, none yeah. whatsoever. Like oh you you try to play creatures? Hold on, here's my one mana spell for you. <laughs> I got I got to steal all your stuff. <laughs> yeah yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the the Bear Ramp deck, it is it is just really disgusting. Just like reading down the list of cards that are in the deck, it really is like every card is like nine out of ten power in a vacuum, or even ten out of ten power. Like it just reads like the best cards. It's not even doesn't really even have to be any specific synergy. It's just like every single card is busted. You got Crossus, you got Scavenger Goose, you got Uro. You have two different Teferis. Uh, the new Teferis actually looked very good uh, oh, in yeah. that deck when I've seen it. Like looting twice, filling the graveyard for Uro. You got Nissa, you got Ugin, you got Gross Pyro, you got Elspeth Cocker's deck, you got Shark Typhoon. It's just literally the most powerful in a vacuum cards in the colors uh, which happens to be the most powerful color combination in standard you just jam them all together and it's really hard to play against unless you're doing something similar and also just trying to like go haymaker for haymaker it's really frustrating my experience is that it's really frustrating to play uh fairer decks because even if you like oh i got my duress i'll get rid of their nissa and then oh i have an agonizing remorse i'll get rid of the elspeth conqueror's death there's always another haymaker coming out of the top of the deck i swear to god i dressed <laughs> i dressed the bat rap deck the other day and they revealed the hand and it was two little teferis a big teferi a nissa and elspeth conquers death like what what do i do i just scoop right now like is it just over like what does it even matter what i choose with this duress they're all just ridiculously powerful that's how i felt about casting thought erasure uh, i was just like like to pay two mana to like no i need to concede like, <laughs> like you trying to feels... one for one people in 2020 what yeah, are you doing yeah, I... you use two mana on that what are you doing <laughs> but i gotta surveil <laughs> Uh, new Teferi is actually really good. Like, if, if yeah. there weren't all these other broken cards in Bant Rap, I think we'd be talking more about it. You know what beats Planeswalkers? Creatures with haste. You know what beats Creatures with haste? Instant speed Planeswalker abilities. The fact Shifting that they loot, Ceratops, though. They can loot again. They can yeah. phase out. Uh, you probably had to contend with a, a little Teferi to begin with. And then yep. to, to beat this, you got to overcommit on the board and just in time for Ugin to come down and clean everything up. Uh, so very obnoxious. The only thing is I kind of wish big, the other big Teferi here, Hero of Dominaria is here. So you can just go like curve out the fairies <laughs> and win in a non deck. Just Richard, like straight historic. up real deck. <laughs> I mean, like, like, yeah, like that, that is the one, th- like, so the things that have like really impressed me so far have been like, yeah. The new Teferi, and no, not because I'm a Teferi fanboy, but, like, it's just, like, also really, really good. And it's, like, the looting has definitely filtered and gotten me through, like, tons of games. Uh, and on top of that, Scavenging Ooze and, uh, it has been really important right now. Like, it's felt so good, right, like, in this meta. And the one that I didn't expect to actually really like is Maze Mind Tome. Yeah, that's a card that I have found to be more impressive than I thought, too. Uh, it, it is actually, it reminds me a little bit of Treasure Map. I think it's worse I, Treasure Map, but it kind of fills a similar role there. I feel like it might be better, to be really? honest with you. I, I like it because there's the you, the mana, the like the ability where you don't have to pay any mana to scry. And that's true, but you, you don't get the ritual effect ever, where you're like, you hey, don't. I get all these treasures and I get to cast my Yugen. <laughs> You don't, and that is true, but you get, like, the ability to just always use it just for free and gain four life. And, you know, like, it's, I, I, cause I've been, I'm not gonna lie to you. I got my hands a little dirty over the week, too. I've been playing a little bit of Ugin myself. And, uh, uh, but I've been playing, like, the Demir Tezzeret artifacts. I've even been throwing in Shimmer Dragon. Uh, and that was, that was, like, really cool with it. Um, but yeah. So, like, like, with Tezzeret, you just get it back. You do it all over again, right? And it, it's just, it's felt really fun to play that and like Karn the Great Creator. Uh, this deck is great, but it like, which by the way, if you, if you like so far, my whole weekend has been playing the greediest decks. If you play a one drop, I probably lost. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like, unless it's cat. Speaking of one drops, 
even though Aggro's not in the best spot, have you seen the kind of the resurgence of Mono Red Cavalcade? Uh, yeah. It's not like a top, top tier deck, I don't think, but it performed well in the challenge I've run into on the ladder. One card that I totally completely overlooked during spoiler season and uh, kills me very often is Chandra's Pyreling. Uh, that oh, thing, yeah. I didn't realize it gets double strike, so it's just a two mana one three that when a source uh, you control deals non combat damage gets plus one plus zero and gains double strike. So if you just like play a one drop into that and then you drop like a cavalcade and a hasty one drop, it hits for like eight damage on turn three. It is a really frightening card. So I don't know if aggro will make a full on comeback because the meta's just there's so much incidental life gain with Uros and it's just so hostile. I think to being dedicated aggro, but that card definitely surprised me with its. Uh, power level yeah yeah like i i definitely think that card was another another powerhouse because like, i i too didn't see the double strike i mean i learned that it had double strike after i blocked it um, <laughs> <laughs> as always I, I i don't read the card i wait until something happens and then i find out <laughs> but uh like and even it may not it not may not be like you know what like it may not be a powerhouse in standard but Conspicuous Snoop is really good and historic. There's no infinite combos, but, like, it's just a good card being able to play a ton of goblins. <laughs> like, it was kind of sweet. Oh, speaking of Snoop, I think uh, we might be getting ahead of ourselves by going to Modern, but, man, goblins in Modern are good. I am just, like, blown away by how good that card is. I think that goblins are, like, going to be a legitimate tier one modern deck now just purely because of that and the combo it enables uh, we played it for much last night yeah just threw the deck together first games with it jumped into a league easily went 5-0 uh, the person that won the modern challenge over the weekend was playing not the exact same build they had some like thought seizes and stuff that i didn't have but they were also a snoop combo goblin deck so i think uh, it might be time for goblins to actually be a real deck in modern which i think is actually fun uh, yeah. yes it's a unfair deck now because it's like a splinter twin combo that only costs three mana. You knew on turn three instead of turn four. It's the most fair deck in modern, even then. (laughs) (laughs) Like, yeah, like I I, I think that it's like goblins is just it. I I, I can't wait, right? Because specifically for historic, uh, because once jumpstart gets here, then you get chieftain. So the only thing you're missing out on is what munitions expert and like ether vial. And, yeah. and you've pretty much, and like, you know, for historic, I think that's insane. Like, I think having, like, goblins has needed chieftain for so long. Uh, but in, in, like, specifically speaking in standard, I, I really, I really, 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 really hope that we get a goblin deck in standard. But I just, it, it, it's kind of a bummer that, I mean, like, the coolest thing you can do in, like, standard is what, like, torch courier and then give cranko haste and then swing, right? Like, like, that's, that's about as wild as goblins get. <laughs> It's not keeping my fingers great. crossed for for Zendikar maybe because we have had good goblins like I mean Zendikar that's original Goblin Guide territory right and right. that's like Goblin Rune Blaster so there's been some really good goblins so maybe maybe we just gotta wait a little bit for goblins in standard and after we get Zendikar then all of a sudden we're like ah this makes sense ringleader. <sighs> yeah, that, right? that's like, the downside. Yeah, hmm. like, we're going to lose Ringleader and, and whatnot, and you, you even lose, like, Goblin... Oh, wait, by the way, Goblin Crater Maker can answer Ugin, so nice, <laughs> nice 8-drop, dude. <laughs> it doesn't really matter, because they usually follow it up with another one, or, like, 19 other threats, but just saying. <laughs> a lot of people forget that. and uh, But, yeah, like, we lose a lot of Goblins once Zendikar gets here. Yeah, that that is a good point, and that might actually that might be a concern. I guess oh, we'll have to wait and see. It would be cool if goblins were good in standard, but worst case, as you said, uh, they're sweet and historic, and will be sweeter once Jumpstart releases. And they're definitely sweet and modern. So uh, even if they don't make it in standard, at least there's places where goblin fans can uh, use their favorite tribe. Yeah. Oh, and and like more on like the wonderful, wonderful, uh, like so like. The Tezzeret Master of the Bridge has been a lot of fun because of that passive. The creature and planeswalker spells you cast have affinity for artifacts. That and Ugin the Ineffable. Like, I've just popped off on a silly amount of turns, just, like, firing off my entire, like, the top of my deck. Like, I got Mystic Forge, Ugin, Tezzeret, and, and I just went wild, and it's just, it felt so good. 
It felt so good. And just popping off a ton of solemns and, and having a shimmer dragon to sit back and just draw more cards. Like, oh, it's been so much fun playing blue-black, like, artifacts. That actually sounds super fun. I love artifact decks, and Tezar Master of the Bridge is a sweet planeswalker. It's just, it, it would be cool if it was actually playable for a few months before rotation. I mean, I, I would I would love that personally, too, right? I mean, maybe, maybe I'm, I'm going to force it, but, like, the thing here is I think, I think it's pretty sweet. It, it's just... I think this might be the fairest, like, the most fair artifact deck I've ever gotten to play. Like, anytime there's a good artifact deck, it's never just fair. It feels ridiculous or or unplayable. Have you, have you seen the, I guess they're calling it Paw Blade? Yeah. The, like... The Boros, Boros uh, Winota deck that's using, like, Alpine Houndmaster to get the random, like, draft dogs, and you also have, like, Selfless Savior, so you got a yep. few dogs. That deck is sweet. I think that deck's sweet, but I gotta I gotta do a little mini rant. If you're Ember cleaving people to death, or even Winota people to death, you're not really winning with dogs. I hate to break it to you. <laughs> I know you might be able to trick yourself into thinking you're winning with a dog deck, but really you're just Ember cleaving people. <laughs> my my idea of an Ember cleave is Snap decks, a- Apex of the Hunt. That's my Ember cleave. <laughs> <laughs> and I've been I built a like a Pawblade deck myself, and I I kind of like Bolt Hound. I, like Ooh. I think Bolt Hound might actually just be good outside of like dogs too. Like it, yeah, I could see it in like the Cavalcade style decks or like some sort of go wide like weenie deck because it what it pumps plus one plus zero when it attacks. It pumps everything plus one yeah. plus zero and it has haste. Yeah, yeah, like it's it's just a really solid threat. Which I think in old like older times of Magic. I think people would have been like, this is the most broken thing ever. Like, if this was, like, in, like, Amonkhet Red or something like that, or, or who knows, right? <laughs> or even before that, they, they would... I think the internet would be asking for this to, like, get banned. <laughs> it's, like uh, a, it's like a bad Hellrider. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, like, it's, it's oh, a lot of man. damage really fast, but... I mean, that, it's just, if you look at it, that just negates, like, an Uro trigger, right? <laughs> yep. Yeah, yeah. Like, nowadays, it's just like, cool, I'll play Uro and, like, negate everything you've done. <laughs> Uh, have like, you guys seen the upgrades to Sacrifice? As if this deck couldn't get more obnoxious, we have Village Rights, which is yep. like the best card in the deck because now you don't even need uh, to untap with uh, Priest. You can just Village yep. Rights away. And some saucy builds have been trying Archfiend's Vessel with Luris to, yep. to try to get back as a 5-5, also Call of the Death Dweller. I, I tried Zaydrock that build. Or... It just seems so slow. Like I don't think you even need any of that. But I tried it. It was it was cool to get a five five demon. Um, ha, have you have you played against the version that uses uh, Gadrock or whatever the the no, Crown Scourge the three mana oh, dragon? There's a version with that. Yeah, yeah. Ooh, uh, I haven't seen that one either. That's I, spicy. Like I I built a version and then I played against a version. I think the person that played like I I played against somebody and like their version seemed way more tuned towards it but like it's not it wasn't bad i i thought it was kind of cool like i mean but i don't know it might just be better to kill the opponent faster it is it is a bit slow and i don't know you get a lot of food tokens and you have your ovens and all that so it's actually quite often that you get to to like attack with it um the the thing here is that it's just it feels bad when it gets stolen (laughs) (laughs) yeah it does technically fall into the the claim the firstborn (laughs) mana cost which is rough i actually see the list here someone played it in the challenge so this is more like the kind of a bigger more mid-rangey sacrifice that going up to like bolus's citadels and trail of crumbs and stuff like that compared to the more like aggro archfiend luris everything costs like two mana or three mana trying to like kill people quickly so i guess it's kind of cool there's some diversity within the sacrifice archetype and standard yeah yeah like it's not just there's like big sacrifice and i guess little sacrifice if you want to call it that uh but like and then i've also played against like a naya dog deck uh that uses like (laughs) you know what i mean like transmog or mogrify as a meme and just whatnot but like have you seen the naya tokens deck that just transmogs only into uh pain bacon the end runner forerunning maze thing and and race forerunner yeah uh, i haven't i haven't actually seen it i i thought of that during spoiler season though does it actually work it seems like it could possibly work oh uh, yeah like i mean because the the thing here is there's so many flash token creators 
right? And like, so like in between raise the alarm, omen of the sun, uh, stuff like that, right? Like there's so many ways they can generate tokens and easily. And, uh, like the, the, and most of the sweepers are all at sorcery speed. So what they do, all you have to do is just kind of chip away at your opponent's health for long enough. And then it doesn't matter, right? At any point, once they finally sweep, you refill and then you just kill them with like pain bacon. That sounds, that sounds pretty sweet. That's kind of a cool way to play tokens. Uh, there's also been, I don't know if it has any finishes, but I know a lot of people have been playing it. Like the, the green, white plus one plus one counter deck. Oh, with Conclave yeah. Mentor and trying to just like pelt collector and stone coil serpent and then like use venerated loxodon to put two counters on everything. And like Bassery shows up there on occasion a little bit. I think that deck is an interesting take on aggro and it can be very explosive with the good draws. It's not like super, super fast when you get a, like, average draw. So I don't know if Ugin is going to be an issue and just, like... Yeah, uh, I, like I, Ugin, I tried, Ugin I tried that everything. deck. It's, when you nut draw, you, you basically are, like, unstoppable. You're like, huh, what is this? Like, uh, <laughs> But every other draw is, like, so mediocre <laughs> that you can't get anywhere. <laughs> and the problem I found, why Standard is so hilariously bad, is you can't play two-color aggro decks. Like, you can't reliably play a one-drop and the minute you can't play a one drop means you're open to Teferi bouncing your way out of the game. So, <laughs> like, yeah, when you get, like, turn one Pelt Collector, like, you're good to go, right? You, you play Conclave Mentor, you play Hydras or Serpents and stuff, and you just go nuts. But then when you are on the draw with the tap land, like, the game is over. <laughs> like, you don't even have to, like, draw or look at your hand or do anything, right? Like, you cannot beat Teferi into Uro, into Nissa or whatever. It's, like, too slow, Teferi right? into Teferi actually is also very hard to beat. Just, like, literally anything, right? Like, you, you, you can't, you need haste. Like, if you're going to play an aggro deck, you either need... Uh, to be like super fast like actual mono red where you can play one drops and like haste them out or you need to play questing beast or something to actually take care of all these planeswalkers i tried spark hunter masticore whatever the card is terrible i don't know what the answer to play. like <laughs> i'm like all, all my opponents are like just planeswalkering me to death like left and right and i'm like what's what's the counter to planeswalkers right uh and i, I haven't found one <laughs> <laughs> Mono green has actually been a lot of fun. Garrick's Harbinger has been what I wanted it to be uh, with Vivian's Arcbow Ranger. And, like, I always forget that it can grab a Garrick himself. So, like, I, I put, like, Garrick, like, unleashed in the deck. And maybe maybe I'm wrong. Uh, like, I, I kind of thought Garrick unleashed was just Stone Cold unplayable. But it's pretty sweet being able to get it off the Harbinger. And, like, that's a deck where I board in the Spark Hunter Masticores. And it's felt pretty good. Hmm. Yeah, the the plus on Garrick has been has been pretty good. I think the like uh, giant growth would trample. That's yeah. a, a pretty scary plus ability if you're trying to play defense to some extent. Is green fast enough to kill? I mean, I guess it probably is to kill oh, yeah. people before they get their like big late game stuff going. Well, like I, I pretty much make sure that Questing Beast never hits the board until I see a sweeper, <laughs> like, and then I play it. So. And, like, the nice thing here is, like, you know, if, like, if they're relying on things like ECD, that doesn't help, right? Not when you're having, like, Stone Coil Serpents, the Stone Coil Stunner, as you would call it. And then uh, just things like that have just been really good. And Garrick's Harbinger being able to, like, you know, just draw our cards and then refill our hand at, like, a silly amount of times is insane. Like, Garrick plus one or whatever on on the harbinger means that we get to look at the top seven cards pull any creature or garrick or and then there's vivian right uh, arc bow ranger which has kind of just quietly cruised its way through like standard but like i think it it might actually be really good like right now in this mono green deck yeah i mean i think those planeswalkers that can trample and pour through more damage seem really important when it's uh, so essential to be able to like close out the game or even like take down your opponent's planeswalkers yeah. like trampling through a blocker so shifting yeah, ceratops I, like mono green has those hasters oddly that you would want uh like against all of these like you know ugin like planeswalker decks and spark hunter master core out of the board has been solid doesn't get picked off by ugin in any sense of ugin so <laughs> It's been pretty cool. Yeah, Mono Green's kind of just replaced Gruel. Like, yeah, it, it just kind of does haste better. And then you have Scavenging Ooze now is, yep. a, is a new addition oh, to help my gosh, you it's with so the graveyard good. decks. 
Uh, yeah. And, and yeah, I mean, like Questing Beast just dodges claim the firstborn, right? <laughs> so yep. like it's just naturally good. The shifting Ceratops, you have two big, heavy hitting hasters. Yeah, yeah. And like, and like, if you ever get to gem razor onto a scavenging ooze against a cat deck, I, I feel like it's over for them because if they're <laughs> relying on stealing it and sacrificing it, you know what I mean? Like they bring in like, and the hex proof from black on Garrick's Harbinger is also proven relevant because like the cat decks and whatnot have been bringing in like, you know, noxious grasp and, and, and eliminate and, and all like, and like there's all the decks using black removal and it's just like, cool. Well, you can't target Harbinger. So, uh, like mono green seems like if you want to just play an aggro deck, like I'd probably play that over, you know, Celestia tokens or, or, or mono red, man, the like mono red, what a, what a time, huh? Where that is just, that's kind of a joke, right? Like, like I, I kind of, I, I always just go, I feel bad for red now. I'm just like, you know what? You'll get them tiger. Like, I, <laughs> I, I can't feel bad for red because red was really good for a long time. Yeah. Like we had a, a string for like three years where red was just always top tier. So it doesn't really bother me to see it not be top tier for once. Uh, but yeah, it is, it's definitely different to not have mono red as a top tier deck to worry about. And instead it's just, uh, like you said, it's all these like big mana decks or also, uh, or sacrifice decks for the most part. The other deck I think I've been playing that's been pretty fun is, uh, is it prowess? We got, uh, uh, Stormwing Entity is one of the big new additions. Well, the wait, other one that was I forgot it? A- hmm? Was it prowess? <laughs> oh, oh no. yeah. Oh, I, I set my, I set myself up for that. <laughs> also, I forgot about Riddle Form. Like, Riddle Form's actually a good card. Just like, oh, yeah. being the, th- so now you have like Sprite Dragon, you have two other good prowess threats, you got all the cheap cantrips, and one card that I've been really impressed by is, uh, Frantic Inventory, especially in that deck where you have like crash throughs and ops. So hitting your second copy or even your third copy is not super unlikely, and when you're like drawing three for two at instant speed, uh, Frantic Inventory is actually really good. Yeah. Uh, like, are, are you playing the version that is using, like, you know, also, like, Infuriate and stuff like that, too? Yes, I've been, so, so, yeah, I've been trying to, like, uh, be as aggressive as possible to keep up with all the unfair decks, kill people before they get their late game online. So, yeah, I've been playing, like, Infuriate is another pump spell, uh, Raking Claws, like the Cycling Double Strike Instant yep. from Ikoria. So, yeah, having the, the option that sometimes you could just, like, jank people out on turn four, if you just, like, play Storming Entity on turn three and then turn four you can go like uh, infuriate whatever shock and then double strike spell that ends up being like 20 20 damage in the air and you just like smash someone to death and that's a good way to get in through a lot of the planeswalkers that are going on like you get around all over all the Nissa stuff you get around uh, you, st- get, you still get your bodied by Teferi uh, yeah, especially especially new to fairy and the oh, ability yeah. to phase it out. Like you cast all your pump spell, especially if they have like little to fairy, so they can like force you to do stuff during your main phase if you have two creatures. Yeah. So they like force you to cast stuff main phase, and you play all your pump spell, and they're like, yeah, phase it out, and you're like, oh my god, <laughs> why did they print another to fairy wizards? <laughs> it, like, but like in all honesty, that new to fairy is just a really good blue planeswalker. It's not. I don't think it's broken. I, I, at least not yet. <laughs> Uh, I I still agree. I think it's solid, but I, I don't think it's. I hope it's not going to be oppressive. I I said I didn't think it was going to be. I think it's been a little bit better than I even gave it credit for. But I still don't think it's going to be oppressive, uh, especially once we have rotation and like little Teferi and Nissa and some of the other like busted planeswalkers to rotate out. I wonder like. Uh, do you think rotation is just gonna, I think we talked about this a couple weeks ago. Do you think rotation is just going to make standard fun again? I think one thing you mentioned, Richard, that I think is interesting related to this is the mana issues of two color aggro decks. So let's say we get to rotation. Miserable decks rotate out and Zendikar gives us a good land cycle that maybe comes into play untapped. Do you think that is going to like massively improve standard? Uh, <sighs> depends what other broken cards wizards prince like i I think we just gotta go back to like one for one magic i I don't know i think like every (laughs) card is such like the game snowball out of control like so like just one mid-range card that sticks on the battlefield is game over and then it just becomes a race to who can go first and i don't know like the old days of like 
oh, you played your five drop. I have like two turns to respond, right? It leads to like an interactive game of magic. Whereas now it's like one planeswalker stuck. Well, it snowballs into a second planeswalker, which snowballs into like four extra cards a turn. Like, are you like one shock away from winning? If not, like it's over. <laughs> so like, I, I don't know, right? Like as long as we have these powerful haymakers, uh, and I don't know, like Wizards, I don't know if Wizards just escalates it further by making like crazier like aggro decks to, to do it. Like that's not the answer, right? Like if you make, I don't know, uh, a hasty two mana 3-3 three, three that like lightning helixes to, to deal with uh, Planeswalkers on ETV, that just does not fix it. Like I think they need to like depower creep into just like, we'll play some vanilla creatures, we'll do some actual combat. You're going to have to work for your card advantage. You can't just put these cards in your deck and then they just like make a deck kind of like bant right now but you actually have to use synergy and like make choices and sacrifices between cards in your deck right so until we return to that i feel it's just crazy power creep just just play the biggest haymaker available and then uh get there before your opponent does and then uh, that's standard i i i think that like with m21 though like i feel like the dial back and like or like the way it Personally, I feel like the power level was dialed back a little uh, compared to how broken things were. And if that's the case, I think that standard gets a lot better. Uh, like, because because I'm imagining a set where we do, well, I mean, I guess like everything that matters in Eldraine is banned, right? So like now I feel like Eldraine is just per- pretty much banned, right, from standard because like what what what's left like goose, like yeah, yeah. So, I guess. But. <laughs> Since Eldraine is primarily just banned from standard, you think about it, you look at it as pretty much we're gonna lose the Ravnica sets, and then we'll have just what like Theros and and whatnot. So and like the new Zendikar M twenty one, like I think it'll be a good reset to standard. It'll be a refreshing standard, and like I mean, right now the the general consensus is that there's a lot of hype for the new set, but like already you can see there's a little bit of, of concern. And like the downswing, it like is like you know like any any kind of standard decline, at least in popularity, doesn't happen as early as it. I I like I, I don't know maybe maybe it's just me, but like I feel like uh with like talking to everybody and and just seeing how people feel about standard right now, there's already just a little bit of momentum just kind of like bleeding out. Yeah, and I I mean at the same time, it was just a core set, and it's also like max power level standard so it's really hard when there's already seven pretty powerful sets in standard for things to change too much from one set entering the format so i think it makes sense that you know things aren't going to uh, be super changed thanks to course at 2021 but we can start counting down days to rotation and i'm somewhat hopeful i think the question is going to be is Corset 2021, the power level we're going to see moving forward uh, because if i look at Corset 2021 I think it's uh, a, maybe the best core set they've made, and yeah. it is powerful, but outside of, like, maybe putting Ugin into the format with so much ramp, I don't see a lot of cards that are, like, broken or miserable, and maybe it's just because the power level of everything else is so high that cards like Teferi or some of the other cards that maybe they would be the best card of the format just aren't as good as the other broken stuff, but I feel like if Corset 2021 is kind of like the power level of Zendikar in the next year of Standard maybe things would normalize a little bit, but uh, I don't know. Is it powered down a little bit because it's a core set and there's not like a dedicated theme where we're like, oh, we're building around the food mechanic and we're going to push it really hard or, you know, whatever whatever mechanic there is in Zendikar. So fingers crossed. I think standard should improve at rotation. Whether or not it gets fixed, I think that's, that's still up for debate in my opinion. I mean, yeah. I hate to be that guy, but I'm starting to fall into the Planeswalkers are the problem camp. Uh, you know, when 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 Jace the Mind Sculptor was first released, a lot of people are like, oh my god, you ruined the game, Planeswalkers. And, like, I largely ignored that until, like, today, where it started to dawn on me, like, they're just so game-warping. And it was fine when you had, like, a couple Planeswalkers that were legal, but now, like, there's so many good planeswalkers, it kind of fundamentally changes how the game plays, which is why I don't think we're going to return to kind of the really old one-for-one style magic that going forward is just kind of like planeswalkers, which are inherently like two-for-ones, three-for-ones, and then cards that can deal with them, which means, you know, they have to be either more aggressive or even more value than a planeswalker. 
Uh, and I think that's just gonna keep going because planeswalkers sell packs, right? They're kind of the the face of magic. So I don't see wizards backing off, right? Like we used to always complain like, okay, Chandra is the face card of the set. Chandra sucks, no one plays. So wizards <laughs> responded, right? Now every set has like a really pushed planeswalker that will be played, right? Like Teferi will be played. Uh, you, you can bet that, right? And since every set has that, for, so for standard, there's always like a large group of planeswalkers that are viable. And typically, uh, because color fixing is decent enough, they can all go in the same deck and you kind of have these super friends decks that aren't really super friends decks. So so I don't know. I don't know that we're going to see anything at rotation. I think we're going to get another push planeswalker. Sometimes they'll go too far. They'll ban it. And then they'll they'll make another one the next set, and then we're like, ah, yes, Teferi Time Raveler balanced, it's fine, right? Uh, no, it's I, not. I, Teferi Master of Time balanced, it's fine, right? No, it's not, right? Like, I, I don't know, right? I mean, I I can understand that like there there's you know like Planeswalkers are a ton of value all on one card, and I, and I think they they have to be for the mana that you're paying uh, with because also it's like a little bit like what you said, like creatures are getting more insane, right? Like is at the time. Like, let's just say, let's say from Siege Rhino forward, Siege Rhino did so much, right? And then and Planeswalkers had to keep up with that. and But, like, answers were falling behind. And so now Planeswalkers kind of answer the Siege rhino cards and also, like, generate value. So I, I think they're okay. Uh, I think passives, I actually, like, as I've said before, I love passives. I think they're great. But it just comes down, like, example, like, Nissa's passive... It, I'm tired of ramp. I'm tired of being like, like legitimately like cheating on mana. Just things like fires of invention, wilderness reclamation, Nissa doubling mana. You know what I mean? Like I, I'm, I'm tired of those kind of interactions. Like if it were just simply, I don't know. They, they played like Nissa on five. She made a three, three. That's not the worst, right? That's fine. Cause like the old Nissa, Nissa world waker was also terrifying when she was in standard, right? She was always the hard answer to any deck I would play. Cause perilous vault wouldn't exile the lands. And I'm okay with that. But the, the doubling of the mana is absolutely disgusting. So I, I think as long as standard, once standard completely. <laughs> Thank gosh, uh, growth spiral is going to rotate and whatnot, and we lose the, those ridiculous cards. And like once Uro is gone, uh, you can actually start playing aggro. <laughs> I, I think once those cards go away, magic can kind of recover from like 2019 green, as I call it. So, <laughs> I mean, Uro's still around for. For another year, yeah. that one's not rotating, so but it'll be interesting to see if just losing like Gross Spiral, and then I guess Wilderness Rack will kill Teamer Rack. Uh, so maybe that'll Anissa does go, so maybe it'll be better then. Maybe, but Uro is still really yeah. strong on the on the Planeswalker thing. I actually I don't think I agree uh, with Richard. I think my theory is we're we're burned on War of the Spark essentially. <laughs> I think. As much as I liked War of the Spark and the idea of it when it released, I think that all those Planeswalkers really ruined people's uh, experience with Planeswalkers. And I actually think that the static ability thing on some Planeswalkers was one of the bigger problems. Uh, the Nissa, Teferi's, Narsats, I think those are just like miserable like they're miserable they should at least be uh, symmetrical or something like uh so i think that even though there were some fun static abilities and i like the static on like new teferi for example i think that's a really cool static ability i think they do need to be super careful but if you look at the planeswalkers that are going to survive rotation there's really only 14 of them and if you look at the the list a lot of them are kind of like medium-ish, like, new, the course at 2021 ones, like the new Garrick, the new Liliana, the new Chandra, uh, I guess Teferi is proving itself to be good, but the other four are, I think, pretty safe planeswalkers, they're, some of them will be playable, but I don't think they're busted, and then it's like, uh, the Elspeth from Theros Beyond Death, that's like, playable, but not, you know, devastating, Calyx is very narrow, Luca has proven to be pretty narrow if you're not getting Agent of Treachery, so I kind of think that the Planeswalker level might be okay after we get to rotation, and then it's really War of the Spark that is causing, like, 90% of the issues. I mean, yeah. I hope you're I, right. I, like... <laughs> I hope you're right. <laughs> but wait, wait, <sighs> what if Wizards is like, War of the Spark was the greatest selling set in all of Magic history? 
how about we go return to War of the Spark and print like more planeswalkers? <laughs> like, like I don't know, man. It's, it's gonna happen, right? It's, I'm on board. <laughs> it, it, it's because this this concept is like the fundamental branding of magic, right? Like the fact that you're a planeswalker and the fact that there are characters with names that they'll never be relegated to an unimportant part of magic, right? They they want kids to talk about Teferi like they talk about Spider-Man or something, right? So we'll just keep seeing Teferi everywhere until one day we have like Teferi Halloween costumes and you're wearing Teferi socks, right? Krim will be living out his dream. (laughs) (laughs) You're like getting me too hyped on the idea of these things existing. Like once again, Teferi printed (laughs) button-ups. Like (laughs) I... I wonder if Commander can save us. Like, Commander likes legendary creatures, and it doesn't especially care about Planeswalkers. What if, instead of focusing all the marketing and all, like, the face card stuff on Planeswalkers, could you build the story, at least for, like, I don't know, a year or something, around legendary creatures instead of around Planeswalkers? Do you think you could get that same, like, marketing value out of them, it's, or does it have to be playing? It's like the Netflix I, series on B level superheroes, right? <laughs> like, sure, <laughs> this Thalia is really strong at all, but she's still a mere mortal, right? Compared to like these like demigod people that travel around multi universes and can do things. Like, I uh, I don't know. It's not as exciting, right? Yeah, yeah. Hmm. I do. I do think that Commander Legends. That's not going to have a story, but. It, I, I think they could if they do more Commander Legend stuff. I, I'd I'd like to see what a like a a version of a set like that, but with story behind it, would look like. It, it, I think it could be cool because I mean they're bringing back a few like old school characters that they. I think we saw like Kamal, Fist of Crows yeah. coming back, stuff like that. So it would be interesting. But then at that at what point will they just go? Oh, why don't we just make a Kamal Planeswalker for Commander? Right, yeah. That's, that's I think also that would true. just that would just be better than a legendary creature, right? <laughs> I mean, or cooler. I, I, I mean, you couldn't I, make it your commander, but I want to go just old school. Like you know when it was just like merfolk versus goblins. Like we we don't need <laughs> named characters. Okay, we just need tribes. I want to play a game with angels and dragons, right? Not you know to fairy, not wizards and things like that, right? But just literally like. Angels, angels are cool. Let's play a game with them. I wonder if we'll ever see those kind of products again. I see. I'm in the camp of I really enjoy planeswalkers. Yeah, there's been problematic ones, but that's because yeah, like I just I think they they had to take a shot as as we had talked about a little earlier and how like every the power level of everything has spiked up. As I said, I just I think they the planeswalkers have to be good because. What is it? Ether Revolt Tezzeret was like just not played, and he was the main character of that set, right? Or the main villain, and, and whatnot. And like, you hate to see that kind of stuff where your set's like main character just gets unplayed and ignored. So that's why some of these Oko truly was a villain, right? And, <laughs> and we we respect it, right? Like we respect Oko. So I mean, uh, yeah, I just uh, we've said this before, but if they're gonna keep doing that, they, I feel like they really just gotta start being more aggressive and faster with bannings. Like they, I feel like they've said that they know they need to do that and that that's their plan, but it hasn't actually like filtered down into practice. If you're gonna do that, you gotta just like you gotta ban stuff real quick before everyone quits the format and because that that's like the cycle we keep going through is like it gets really miserable everyone stops playing then eventually after like two or three months they ban something and then people come back for like a week and then something else is miserable and they stop playing and then you're gonna ban something else and i don't know if that's like i'm afraid if that's the cycle of standard that eventually people are just not gonna come back during one of those breaks we're like man i really hate playing you know standard right now they're gonna find another game or a, a you know a real life activity or some other hobby uh, or something and then that player is potentially just gone forever so i think it's a risky cycle to go through if you're just having like broken stuff band broken stuff after everyone stops playing and then rinse and repeat so while i do think they need their you know main characters to see play i think there is also risk with going too far and, and maybe like turning people off to the game yeah they're like and and but i do feel like most of that like the like how how you feel right there about like you know uh, quitting for a little bit, coming back. I feel like that's kind of just been 2019 forward, right? Those sets. 
Uh, because yeah, I mean, so. I, I feel like it doesn't, I, I, I wasn't even tired of Kaladesh and I, I never got tired of Kaladesh all the way th- until it rotated. I, I enjoyed every set, like what it just were guilds and whatnot, like those standards, no matter how, how much, it, how many like, you know, Teferi's there were, or how many planeswalkers were running around all these things. Like I never got tired of the format. So, you know what? I think it just kind of goes in waves. They tested this out. Uh, you know, like they wanted to see what the, what it'd feel like if they increased the power level. And I think that's, they got their answers. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess that's the question is, is 2019 slash 2020, like, is this the new normal and we just do this for the next five years? Or is, is that kind of like, uh, you know, uh, an exception to the rule and things are going to normalize after rotation or after a couple more sets? So I think that's the, that's a big question right now. And I don't really know the answer. I hope yeah. that 2019 is not the, the pathway forward. And I would assume that Wizards probably hopes that as well. I can't imagine that even with Arena and everything changing, I can't imagine that they want to be banning cards like every couple months in standard. Like I, I just can't imagine that that's like ideal for them either. So hopefully, I don't know. I'm hopeful that things are going to improve at rotation. Same. Anyway, do we have any other, uh, any other M21 thoughts or should we answer some fish mails? All right. Let us move to fishmail. If you have questions, send them to at mtggoldfish with the hashtag mtgfishmail, and we'll get to your questions on air. Rob Gala, 1970, with the increased support for historic human drafting and now Brawl being free all the time, do you think Wizards has finally moved away from Arena being standard only and now see it as their platform for the future for most digital magic? Oh. <sighs> hmm. I mean... Well- I would say, like, it's the main marketable, like, engine that, or, like, you know, client they have. They're like, hey, come play Magic digitally. They're going to probably talk about that, right? And then they're, I, I think how I see it is they, they hope that Arena will then be the gateway into, like, older formats like Modern and Commander. Just because, you know, Commander is either you're playing with your paper cards or you're playing on Moto. So, that's how I see Arena right now. Uh, there aren't enough... Like, I guess we'll, we'll see. Historic may become, like, I mean, it will become bigger. And I think at that point, you know, do they need to go back to modern? I don't know. Maybe they just leave historic as the farthest back they go on arena and then just go with pioneer in between. Yeah, I think they've definitely moved away from arena being standard only. I yeah. think that's, uh, that much is pretty clear. I haven't heard anything or seen anything that makes me think that their plan is to have modern and legacy and vintage and commander on arena. So is it going to be the only way to play magic digitally? I still, I still think that wizards actually is planning on having both magic online and arena up. And then arena, as Krim said, they said it'll get pioneer eventually. I expect that'll take, even with the pace that we're seeing with like Omnicat remastered coming out in August, jumpstart. I still expect that's probably minimum two to three years. Just when you look at how many, like remix sets and master sets they have to make to actually have full uh, Pioneer on there. So I think they'll go back to Pioneer. We'll have Historic as like our legacy or vintage essentially of uh, Arena, but I still think that Magic Online will stick around for the other formats. Yeah, I I think Arena is the digital answer. Like anything digital that Wizards does in the future will be on Arena. Magic Online will exist. Like, they won't shut it down until (laughs) it just finally dies off. But we've already seen, like, all promotions for digital only go for Arena, right? Like, the, you know, the the streaming partnership with content creators, things like FNM at home. Like, they could very easily have included Magic Online, but they chose not to. It's only Arena. So, and then with Jumpstart... Uh, you see them going out of their way to support Arena because Jumpstart was not originally slated for Arena, but they decided to to add that on to kind of boost Historic. So, oh. I, you know, I do believe, yes, this like everything digital that Wizards does going forward will be for Arena. And I agree with you guys. I don't think they're going to backfill Legacy or something just because, like, there's no reason for people to play Legacy. Like, the whole reason for Legacy is you get to play with your old cards, right? Like, they don't really want you to play legacy they want you to play standard but have some reason for you to uh keep your collection and to have it maintain some value given that there are no legacy cards on arena it just doesn't really make any sense for them to to really add it they already have historic as their alternate format and things like 
you know, Arena Cube and uh, Momir and things like that as other formats you can play. I just don't see any reason for Legacy aside from like maybe bringing vintage events just so people get to play with Black Lotus and things like that once in a while like they did for Theros. I mean, they could just put that into a cube though. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah I could definitely see like a vintage cube or something, but when you it's just so many cards to actually try to have vintage proper even legacy proper that's like 25 years of sets with multiple sets a year and supplemental products so that seems like i mean who knows if that does happen i would say you're looking at like arena being super successful and like 10 15 years in the future some very long time frame for it to get to that point all right uh, oh, speaking of uh, Arena Digital, we forgot to mention that Mac released this week. So we have all these Mac players joining us on Magic Arena. Uh, it was a bumpy release because they all, <laughs> all the Mac players got the black screen. They're like, oh my God, it's broken for Mac. And we're like, no, no, it's broken for Windows too. <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, we, I, I we got a black circle with the, uh, with the circle now. Or the I, black, I tried the black on my four-year-old Mac MacBook. Did not play at all. It was like on fire and not playing it. But <laughs> I spoke to other people. It runs on like their like brand new Macs. It's just your fan is just going off. Like it's not having a good time. But but yeah, otherwise uh, it it works. So uh, we have Mac players. So mobile is next, right? Yeah, this year they say. <laughs> I'm not uh, ready for my phone to get that hot. Yeah, yeah, I don't know, man. Like, uh, MTG Bobby, with the recent companion rule changes, do you think Lutri should still be banned in Commander? It's virtually a Telegraph six mana dual caster mage. Also, is it banned if it's your Commander or in the ninety nine? Uh, so it's banned everywhere, and yes, I still think that it should be banned. The problem with Lutri isn't power level. The power with Lutri is just you get an extra card if you play is it and that throws like the whole balance of the colors and color identity and the format out of whack so i think for me that's the issue with lutri not that it's oh it's too good because dual caster mage isn't too good for the format it's that you get an eighth card if you choose one specific color combination and no one else does uh i agree with seth there on that one like it's it's just like the the ability to just always have that card whenever you need it even on a turn like okay well i'm not going to do anything's turn i just go ahead and put it in my hand right like it's it's even if it's telegraphed it doesn't make it any easier in some situations yeah uh next question and jerkson what are the chances we get ether vial in historic at some point would it be too strong in the format yes <laughs> i think yes like via landslide ether vial would be way too strong i think that ether vial would probably be acceptable i don't know if it would be acceptable right now i don't know if i'd want it to come out you know and whatever the next anthologies they release but i think with the cards they're adding and how quickly uh historic is growing i think that's a card that will be fine for historic in the not super distant future but but think about this okay Th- think about this goblins humans we would <laughs> I, essentially <laughs> just be pl- like they would be modern power level decks <laughs> in historic I think you just want to counter things, Crim. No, no. Does not does not allow the counter spells. Like I haven't even played a counter spell in my in, in historic in a minute. Uh, is it is it really too good? Like uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, you don't think so? Like instant speed kite sail freebooters, like stuff like that, or, or going end of turn ringleader untap go wild. But I I like going wild with goblins though. <laughs> this is this is true. Like it is it is sweet, but at the same time, it's like then it's just going to be only humans and goblins, right? I, I mean, don't get me wrong. Anything to completely shut down Field of the Dead and Nexus of Fate, I will always choose over that. So like, if the meta is Ether, if like Ether Vial has to get printed to see those like decks disappear, I I would I would gladly jump right into that. Please take us How to about- that format. How about this? We just like throw it in at anthologies, and if it's busted, we suspend it. Great. Give it, just give it a shot and see what happens. Because I think that's one of the upsides of historic. Because you can theoretically like suspend things really quick, quickly and cheaply. So uh, I would be down with trying it. And if it is too good, then just get rid of it again. True. I mean, that's that. That is true, right? Like the ability to just instantly change your uh, like your digital only format at any point, and it, the cards legal in it is great. I think that's they I think magic actually should be really taking advantage of that. 
And though I think Ether Vial may be a little too strong, I definitely would love to see them experiment a lot more. So I mean, I, yeah, I think they should try it now because how long before Historic overtakes Pioneer, and then people start playing Historic in paper, and then and then Wizards might be a bit gun shy about like banning things like left and right like very quickly. So I feel like they should kind of experiment now and figure out what they want their format to be while it's still digital only because things like popper like it'll just spread to paper eventually if it's popular enough (laughs) that's assuming paper magic continues to exist but yeah i I see what you're saying (laughs) ah yes uh merfolk t with a fetch land cycle that fetches one of two basic land options so uh basic island or basic swamp with no drawback be too good 20 dual uh, fetches be too much for eternal formats and commander. I eh. I would say it's still too good. Is it? it I, the land doesn't come into play tapped, right? Like, it just gets an island or, like, let's say, like, okay, it gets an island or a swamp. But basics only. But, the like, you know what I mean? It's not Evolving Wilds, and it's not Fabled Passage, where Fabled Passage requires you to have three lands prior for it to come into play untapped. I would still say that's still pretty good. I mean, isn't that just, like... A fetch land, <laughs> but we, we, we already about- have fetch lands, right? So it's like fetch lands with a little more restriction. So for formats, like would going from ten fetches to twenty fetches really change anything? Well, so I think more like standard. Okay, yeah. Right? So so I think it depends on the format. In older formats, I don't think it matters. I don't even know if those cards would be playable. We already have a ton of fetches that do that, and we have. Uh, Prismatic Vista, which does that but better for the cost of one life. So I think that those cards would be not super important or even really heavily played in older formats because we already have enough fetch lands. In standard, I think they would be, uh, they would be pretty good. I think they would definitely be very solid, uh, dual lands. You get the shuffle effects and all that kind of stuff. So too good for standard, maybe. Older formats, definitely not too good for or even like super playable, I don't think. I, I would actually prefer them for standard standard over real fetches because it limits you on your ability to make like four or five color decks uh, the problem with fetch lands and standard is like if you have fetchable duels uh you can go to like three four five color decks super easy uh but if you can only fetch one color it allows you to make two color decks uh, avoid our current problem where you can't play a one drop without going to like four colors as easily since each of your lands only taps for one color so I would actually like to see these instead of like real fetches in standard, but then people are going to slaughter me because we want <laughs> fetch land reprints I, in standard, right? For price reasons. I, I think you could achieve the same thing though by reprinting the fetch lands and just making sure there's no dual lands with land types in the format as long as there's fetches. Yeah, but then you can get budget like crappy fetches for other formats. I think I think isn't that the whole appeal of this, right? Like this this land would presumably be a lot cheaper than the real fetches. So I guess we can just circumvent this by just making the real fetches a lot cheaper. So do you th- yeah, yeah, that's makes sense. do you think people would be happy if fetches were still expensive, but you had these as substitutes? I think we'd still be getting like the reprint fetch lands videos and stuff. I, I don't think that would solve people's concerns with fetch lands. All right, you, you you've convinced me. We'll just make fetch lands cheaper and then avoid all of this. All right, last question. Azura Night Song. How do you guys feel about Peer into the Abyss in paper? I feel there's no easy way to figure out what half the deck is, especially if a game has been going on for a while uh, or is Commander. Seems like a counting nightmare. <laughs> you so just, you just go just tabletop style. You just go tabletop style. You just take the top half. You make sure that <laughs> that it lines up with the bottom half. Oh, you're not even going to count. You're just going to slice it in half and look that they're the same height. <laughs> yep, yep. You go old school tabletop style. I did that with like traumatize. I don't know. That looks like half. Okay, throw it away. <laughs> I mean, I, I assume you're supposed to just actually count your entire deck. Like that would probably be if you were playing that in a tournament. I assume that's what you're supposed to do, yeah. which... I don't think it's hard, but it definitely is kind of time consuming. I think the good news is it's cost seven mana. I think it would be more of a concern if there was like a, a cheaper card that was going to show up in a lot of decks that made you count your deck. I think that would be problematic, but probably in this case, it's a seven mana card for like against the odds decks. Maybe some like, I don't know, commander decks would play it or something. So hopefully it's not going to come up too often just because the card itself isn't like super pushed to be constructed playable. Okay, real question. Can you troll someone with this? Like, can every turn you count their entire library 
to be like, oh, but I play Pure of the Abyss. I need to know this information. Like, can you get hit by a slow play warning or something? Or is it like, oh, no, I guess you have to be able to count the library every turn. <laughs> can, can we Belichick him? Like, is this is this going to work? Oh, man. I- I, I assume that after you countered it once, you could probably just keep track. Like, oh, I drew a card since last turn, so I have this many left. So it probably gets easier if you actually tried to track it. I'm gonna try. I'm gonna. I'm gonna try to drag a game to one hour. <laughs> <laughs> after they count the cards in deck, ask them cards in hand. <laughs> next, Can I see next, your next, next week, Richard for FTG Goldfish rules lawyering. <laughs> what was about yes. to lose? Started counting cards for pure to the abyss every turn. <laughs> Game ends like, in a draw. Oh, is this scummy? You know all that's gonna happen is like, yeah, you're gonna do all of that, and then, <laughs> and then you're just gonna cast something like, okay, uh, pelt collector, your turn. <laughs> it's like Nazis. <laughs> yep, that's it. That's all I got. <laughs> I just wanted to know. Just wanted you're to know. You're trying so hard to like bluff this card, and it's like, like island, go. Uh, all right, that's uh, all the time we have fish mail this week. Thank you to everyone who sent in fish mail. If you have questions, send them to at mtggoldfish with the hashtag mtgfishmail, and we'll get to your questions on air. And I believe that brings us to the end of episode 283 of the MTG Goldfish podcast. So, Richard Krim, thanks for hanging out. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Thanks to Spikes Academy for supporting the show. So, we'll be back next week to talk about whatever goes down in the world of magic. So until then, have a wonderful week, and this is the crew signing out. Bye.